Today there are just two days left to 2018. I hope it's been a good year for you. And I'm glad that you're here this morning uh, to look with me at Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Uh, we are in the Glory of Christ preaching series, and today's sermon is Christ the Conquering One. So open up your Bibles. We're going to pray, and then we're going to hear from God's Word. Let us pray. Glorious, conquering God, help us to understand and experience your majesty today. Thank you that you have revealed yourself and your plan for your world in the Bible. Help us apply truth to ourselves and share and show what we discover with those you have placed in our lives. We want to worship you. Equip us to do so through your spirit. We want to know you, Jesus. And through knowing you, know your Father, God. Keep our hearts and minds attentive and engaged. Prepare us to grow and mature as your disciples in this time in your word together. We pray in the name of Jesus, and together we say, Amen. Okay, Revelation starting, chapter 19, starting at verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and one, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His aims are like the flame of fire, and on his heads are many diamonds, now that's crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows about himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arranged in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on, a white, on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he is the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, in many ways, today is going to be a fairly heavy morning. Um, so I wanted to begin with a game. Let's see how we go. Okay, here's how the game's going to work. I'm going to show a word. The word first is family. I want to, you to hold in your mind the first image that comes to your mind. So what is the first image when you see the word family? For me, that is it. That was our Christmas photo. How about our next word? Food. Have you got that image? Maybe many of you still have that Christmas dinner stuck in your head and in your belly. Um, how about our next word? Evil. What comes to your mind when you hear the word evil? This is the Auschwitz uh, concentration camp. Jesus. What image comes to mind? It's important that we remember the wonder of the incarnation of Jesus. We looked at that just a few days ago, the God-man come as a baby. 
it is vital that we remember Jesus' death and resurrection. But we must remember that that is not the end of the story. Jesus' death and resurrection is not the end of God's plan for the world. And Revelation 19 gives us the image of Jesus as the conquering one. Today's sermon is about exploring two aspects to Jesus as the conquering one. We will see from Revelation 19 that Jesus is the judge appointed by God to conquer all evil in what is called the final judgment. We will also see that Revelation 19, it fits into a grander story of good news. Jesus provides the only way for us to approach the judgment of God with complete trust and confidence. This confidence comes not from ourselves, as is the temptation, but rather from faith in Jesus, the one judged in our place. God's judgment can be welcomed because of what God achieved on the cross. And indeed, Revelation concludes proclaiming with confidence, Come, Lord Jesus. Revelation 19 is a glimpse and a warning into how God is going to rightly and justly punish the evil of sin. I hope you will gain a better appreciation of the holiness of God. God cannot and will not overlook sin. The total destruction of sin by the judgment of Jesus is God's appropriate and proportional response to sin. I hope you'll also gain a greater appreciation for the love of God. As we explore the image of Jesus, the conquering one, look for how the cross displays both holiness and love of God. Both these characteristics, they're inseparably intertwined into this one world-transforming event. Discover the Jesus who is both God's conquering judge and the one who chose to conquer by being judged by God. The judge and the judged. And for those who are a bit of a nerd, um, I'm one of them, and you like a bit of solid reading, maybe you've got your uh, 2019 reading list coming up, um, I really encourage you, have a look at John Stott's book, The Cross of Christ. It's a really refreshing, it's really clear, and it's a really worship-inspiring book that goes deeper into some of what we'll look at today. Now, here's an insight into me. Um, I'm a fan of medieval literature. One of the things that I did throughout college is I always read a non-fiction book um, just as a way to not hate books by the end of the semester. Uh, so, the kings and queens, uh, the knights in shining armour, the bows and arrows, the quest, that's kind of all my geekiness that I like. Um, so it comes as no surprise that me and my three brothers grew up doing lots of sword fighting. Um, Polly Pipe is the best, everything else hurts or breaks. Um, and doing lots of archery. Uh, my favourite novel series is the Ranger's Apprentice series by John Flanagan. Uh, this is actually my second read through it which I don't do with many books. Uh, the storyline of this series follows the inner circle of the king's heroes. They go off on dangerous adventures. They stop pockets of rebellion against the king. 
And as an aside, this series is also a great look at uh, discipleship. It uses the language of mentoring or apprenticeship, but it's, it's a really interesting reading in that regard. I think it's also aimed at 11-year-olds, but I like it. And I love the loyalty of the characters to the king. It reminds me of the loyalty God, the king of kings, deserves from us. Sin can be described in many ways, and far too often we prefer the less incriminating descriptions. We must call out sin for what it is. Sin is our willing and evil treason against God, the King of Kings. Instead of the total loyalty God deserves, we reject God and we install ourselves as the new King. Instead of living according to God's rule, we, we create our own way. And we suffer and inflict so much suffering on ourselves and others when we choose to do this foolishness. This treason, treason cannot and will not be left unpunished by the Holy God. To allow the evil of our rebellion to grow indefinitely would mean God is neglecting his responsibility as king. God must and will punish evil. Anything less and God would not be worthy of the eternal worship of that phrase, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, declared of God in Revelation 4.8. God must remove sin from his holy kingdom. And so in Revelation 19, God has appointed his conquering judge. Jesus is coming as God's knight in shining armor upon a glorious horse, it's like that allspice ad, prepared for war. Picture the description, his eyes like flamings, flames of fire upon his head, many crowns, his robe is dipped in blood. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, following him are the dazzling white mounted armies of heaven. This is a fearsome image. In Revelation 19, Jesus comes not to rescue the damsel in distress. At the cross, the offer of salvation through faith in him was already made for this. Now Jesus comes to judge and make war. And no one can rebel against God and expect to have a chance at victory. And yet... We foolishly already rebelled against God. The treason has already been committed. In our pride, we've accepted and placed our faith in the deceit that we can be our own king, that we can set our own rules. We deceive ourselves when we say what is wrong is right, so long as it doesn't hurt someone else or no one else knows. We deceive ourselves when we say truth is relative. That's your idea. Well, this is mine. And we let our beliefs and actions no longer match. We deceive ourselves when we deny the equality of another person who is equally made in the image of God. When we decide that I matter more than them. We deceive ourselves when we see all this and declare triumphantly 
that I make a better king than God. Treason. The punishment, as it has always been, death. Death that is worse and more than the opposite of life. The punishment is permanent exile from the kingdom and the presence of God. Jesus the judge is awe-inspiringly fearsome. This image of the judge matches the judgment he brings. The prospect of permanent exile from the kingdom and presence of God should cause us great distress. Any response less is a demonstration of an ignorance, willing or otherwise, of what is truly at stake. We need to take stock of our situation. Look again at the later half of verse 15. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. All sinners are the grapes in the winepress. Jesus the judge is the crushing, crushing feet. That is the image of verse 15. Evil will be defeated with the proportionate fury and wrath of the Almighty God. And God respects the responsibility we have as human beings for our choices and must also respect that the holy God that he is. It is vital that we take heed of the coming judgment of God. It is so easy for us to downplay sin in our minds. We have mistakenly concluded that God must view sin as trivial or as trivially as we do. He does not. Evil, sin, all rebellious treason by us and Satan and his agents against God will be judged, condemned, and totally conquered. The sharp sword that comes from Jesus' mouth is not for show. It is the devastating weapon of war. You can read the rest of the chapter, verse 21 in particular, to see its effects. We need to be warned of this coming judgment to be able to grasp the brilliance of the cross of Christ. God is faithful and true to his character. God is holy and he is loving. God must uphold both his holiness and love. And it's, it's not like God puts aside one to pursue another. God must be both holy and loving in his actions. And at the cross of Jesus, these combine. The holy love of God is displayed. We need to be sheltered from the judgment that is coming. We need forgiveness from our sins. And in the Bible, we discover the life-changing the eternity changing. Good news that the judgment of God has already come at the cross. I almost called today's sermon Two Judgments. And this judgment is not upon sinners, but rather upon the perfect substitute, God's own Son, Jesus. Jesus, the judge, became the judged. 
And this is the second aspect to Jesus, the conquering one. The cross maintains God's holiness by providing the punishment the rebel sinner deserves upon Jesus. And it maintains God's love by providing the opportunity for the rebel sinner to return through forgiveness into the kingdom and presence of God by faith in Jesus. This is the great substitution. We substitute our self-faith in the deceit that we can be our own king for faith in King Jesus. God substitutes God's God substitutes Jesus' perfect, righteous status for our sinful status. Jesus displays God's love by giving those who accept and place their faith in him his righteous status by taking our sin. Then at the cross, Jesus willingly chooses to take upon himself the full, holy judgment of God for our sins. In the Gospel of John, uh, it was chapter 18, verse 11, it talks of how Jesus will take the cup of God's wrath. He takes it all upon himself so there is none left for us. Jesus dies our deserved death. The judge becomes the judged. And this has many effects. The power of sin in us is overthrown by the greatest almighty power. And God goes even further. He invites us into his kingdom and presence, the presence of relationship with him once again. This is the great substitution, the great swap at the cross. The judge becomes the judge. The sinner becomes the saved. The rebel becomes family. An instrument of cruel judgment becomes the display of God's holy love. Throughout Revelation, Jesus is depicted as the sacrificial lamb. And this image, it comes from the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And it's probably why giving Leviticus a read is, is worth, worth your time. The sacrificial system looked forward in great anticipation of Jesus being the great substitute, the Passover sacrificial lamb. That would be judged in the place of the covenant people of God. Today is an invitation to take the coming judgment of God seriously. Don't waste this warning. Trust in Jesus, the lamb as your substitute, who receives in full the wrath of God your sins deserve. Be among the great multitude in Revelation 7, from every nation, tribe, people, and languages. Declare that salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Respond in your heart and in, the, in a moment with your voice in worship to God. May the words of Revelation 7, 15 to 17, be a, a picture of the new life Jesus invites you by faith into. They, that is the followers of Jesus, are before the throne of God. 
They serve him day and night in his temple, and he sits on the throne, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb is in the midst of the throne. In the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is our final hope, the picture of life in the kingdom and presence of God. Jump across to Revelation 17 to 14. This is our final hope, But now, in the time between Jesus, when Jesus came to be judged and when Jesus will come again as judge, we need to be aware that sin and evil has been overthrown at the cross, but not yet thrown out. For if it was to be thrown out, we would have to go with it. For God in his holy love is patiently providing time for sinners to come to faith in the Saviour. Satan, this world corrupted by sin, even our own corruption by sin, have been overthrown at the cross, but not yet thrown out. And in the words of Revelation 17, 14, they will make war on the Lamb. Satan, the corruption of sin in the world and ourselves, will continue to wage war against Jesus by seeking to take down anyone they can. They will seek to bring us down with them to be thrown out in the final judgment. But keep reading. And the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. Jesus is the conquering one. And how did Jesus first conquer? Keep your finger in Revelation 17, but jump across to Revelation 12, 11. I found this this verse in particular very interesting in terms of how this applies to us. It says, Through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, this is how Jesus conquers. Jesus conquers, God's kingdom expands because of the sacrifice of Jesus, but also and as the disciples of Jesus testify about him. And Revelation tells us what accompanied their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. They would testify, the disciples of Jesus, about the sacrifice of Jesus, even if it meant they had to sacrifice their own life. This time in between the cross and the final judgment is not easy. God offers us salvation from the judgment and power of sin. And God invites us to conquer through the blood of the Lamb and through sacrificial testimony. So flick back to Revelation 17, verse 14. I love what the disciples of Jesus are called. 
And those disciples, uh, those, that's the disciples with him, that's Jesus, are called and chosen and faithful. Cling to Jesus. Stick close. Jesus is calling you and Jesus has chosen you. Trust in Jesus to keep you faithful to the end. We started today asking what image comes to mind when you hear the word Jesus. My aim has been to grow your confidence, to grow your trust and faith in Jesus, the conquering one. Jesus displays the holy love of God at the cross. Jesus is the warrior judge of God and the judge by God. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the great sacrificial substitute. And I want to leave you with the pair to the image of the Lamb in Revelation 5. Mr. Brennan looked at it with us. In verse 5, it says, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered. Far too often, I think the church can hide back can feel defeated, can feel on the back foot. As you picture Jesus, my prayer is that you will let these images that we've looked at and the image of the lion remind you that Jesus is the conquering one. So that leaves us with one final question. When you meet Jesus, the conquering one, Will you be a fellow conqueror or will you be the conquered? Let us pray.